Welcome to Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week on Building the Bakken Radio, the most trusted energy brand in the Bakken today. I'd like to thank you, folks, especially coming off this political season, all of the comments, the emails, the, the phone calls, everything that we received here at the Crude Life Media Network, specifically Building the Bakken. A number of people were very happy with our non-political approach over the past year, just sitting down, having conversations with experts, leaving politics out of the conversation, focusing on the facts, and boy, I tell you what, people really enjoyed that as well. In fact, our social media is over 350,000 followers now. We've got several different brands, so if you go to thecrudelife.com, click on the social media tab, uh, you'll find that we've got about a half a dozen different uh, Facebook pages, another half a dozen Twitter follower uh, pages, excuse me. And uh, if you add up all those numbers, it's over 350,000 followers that we have here at the Crude Life Media Network on our social media pages. And I'll tell you what, people love the non-political programming. They really like it a lot. They like the informational brand. They like the fact that we can have a conversation without polarizing talk. So I, I just wanted to point that out here as we... Uh, get to our year-end celebration, our annual year-in-review program here on Building the Bakken. And that's actually one of the biggest things that we experienced over the past year. Now, everybody has their own world, everybody has their own lives, that sort of thing. And that's our year-in-review, is that we got so many comments from oil companies, from oil communities, that really loved the fact that we would do non-political reporting, we would do interviews, we would talk with some of the local leaders, some of the local nonprofits, and really tell the story of what is going on out there in the Bakken oil field. Talking to the people that are involved with the day-to-day evolution that is the Bakken oil field, and that is Shale Play USA, if you will. So that's what we've really been able to do here at Building the Bakken. Get the people to tell the stories about what's going on, and the people that we talk to, they live it day-to-day. And that's another thing that people really have enjoyed about our programming is when we have somebody on to talk about, uh, you know, X, Y, Z, they only talk about X, Y, Z. They don't talk about A, B, C, or D, things that they don't know anything about. That's another comment we receive often, that our experts are experts. They're not pundits. They're not people that can talk about things that they don't have any business talking about. Nope. We do a very good job here, and I'm patting myself on the back for that because we strive very hard here at The Crude Life to make sure we've got great experts who can bring you top-notch information so that your life can be easier as we grow and evolve, and not only as a country, but more specifically as an industry because the oil and gas industry is going through a lot of changes. In fact, something like 70% of the industry is going to retire in the next uh, 5 to 10 years. Actually, I think it's like the next 5 years. So we're looking at a major shift when it comes to the oil and gas industry. So we felt it was important to come up with a platform for those uh, communities, those companies, and those people that are involved with energy. And so many people are. In fact, I'm going to give you a little-known stat right now. And that little known stat is over the past decade, there's only been one industry that has created jobs, has a net gain of jobs. So if you look at the last 10 years and you look at agriculture and you look at technology 
And you look up at, at the startup boom that's supposed to be sweeping the nation, all of these different things that are happening, and there's only one industry in the past 10 years that has a net gain of jobs. And that is the mining industry, otherwise known as the oil and gas industry. Think about that for a second. Everything going on in the news, everything going on in uh, the media, and all you hear about is these startups and startups and startups. Well, after five years of these startups, they're going backwards. But when you look at the energy industry, they've gained jobs. They've donated to their local community, and they've grown just fine over the last 10 years. I mean, downturn doesn't say recession. It says downturn, meaning there's just not as much activity. There's not much recession going on in the energy industry. So anyway, all right, all right. I get going sometimes, folks. I sidebar because I get so excited about this industry. I love the oil and gas industry, the pure capitalism and community building that it brings. So what we've got today is our year in review. We start that today, and uh, what we've done is we've interviewed Dave uh, for our weekly Davis Refinery update. Because remember, this uh, Davis Refinery is going to be putting out just shy of 50,000 barrels per day, 49.5 barrels per day, uh, 49,500 barrels per day. Sometimes I get the abbreviations going, and I forget that I'm on the radio, and people might not know what B D means so barrels per day so 49,500 barrels per day of Bakken crude oil at the Davis refinery so uh, what we do what we've done is just got a year in review from him rather than grabbing one of our interviews from the past uh, we here at the crude life feel that the Davis refinery is so important that it's going to be read about in history books and that's true that's a true fact that this is the first greenfield refinery being built in the United States in the last 50 years some groundbreaking global technology is happening. This Davis refinery will be read about in history books. So that's why we cover it every single week here on Building the Bakken. And this week, uh, rather than grab an interview from the past year, we actually just talked with the CEO, William Prentice, with the Meridian Energy Group, and he kind of recaps the past year for the Davis refinery. Uh, Reather Mather with Bismarck State College as our year in review continues. A little bit of uh, energy education, if you will. The uh, 24-hour energy employee and the on-demand education has really created multiple opportunities for a new energy education development. And over at Bismarck State College, they've got some fantastic things happening there. Uh, earlier this year, we talked to Reather Mather about that as well. And uh, we're going to re-air that interview from, uh, I want to say, August last year. I know it was sometime right before school started because she kind of laid out some of the education uh, development opportunities that they have there. And those are applicable today. They're all applicable today. And as, as we get to the year end, of course, that means semesters change. So you're going to want to stick around for Rita Mattern at Bismarck State College a little later in the program. And then we talk with Kevin Connors with the Oil and Gas Division with the North Dakota Industrial Commission. He talks about the carbon capture regulations and how it opened up a new uh, technology creating a carbon capture market in North Dakota. So Kevin Connors, Oil and Gas Division of the North Dakota Industrial Commission, a little later in the program as well. And then we conclude the program with a great entrepreneurial story. Uh, we're going to probably briefly talk about that and then get into his product a little bit, an electronic heater treater scanner that uh, assists oil producers in preventing salt water disposal spills. 
So anything that can prevent spills, you know the governor has a zero spill uh, goal. So here's one of those companies, David Allen, with Elite Energy Services, that is really doing a fantastic job uh, cleaning up and being preventive about it. So Elite Energy Services is one of those companies that Governor Burgum is talking about when he says we need to become preventative about zero spills getting zero spills that sort of thing so all right fantastic year in review program here at building the bakken radio my name is jason spies this is building the bakken radio heard on the crude light media network i'm talking i'm smoking i'm joking with the people that i know hi it's phil premise uh, ceo of meridian energy group when we first started this project you know we didn't have anything like that in mind. We just uh, thought that we could do a better job than the industry in general was doing in terms of how to design and operate a refinery. And then it, it finally sunk in when uh, when we got the, the draft permit to construct from the health department. The Oil and Gas Journal calls the fact that we as a small full conversion refinery were able to get this done and say, synthetic minor source, uh, Ellen Gastron called that a historic event in the industry. And we just kind of started to take, pay attention to some of these things. And it was, uh, it was amazing to us to realize how much we had accomplished in terms of uh, defining this project and, and integrating all this technology. And, uh, you know, it was very humbling and, and uh, exciting at the same time. We, we do embrace that. We, we're very proud of the fact that this is going to be historic in the industry. And we're very proud of it. Well, you're my pineapple, baby. Let me be your mango man. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. We continue our year in review here at Building the Bakken Radio, and our next guest, Rita Mathern with Bismarck State College, talking about energy education development and opportunities. Let's just start off with a pretty basic one. Uh, just describe what it is you guys do and how you're affiliated with the energy industry. Well, Bismarck State College, what we focus on is training the next generation of operators and technicians for the energy industry. We work with people who are interested in entering the industry for the first time, um, who are maybe younger students right out of high school, or who are looking um, for something else to do with their life. Maybe they graduated a couple years ago and haven't found a career that suits them. Uh, We also work with those who are already working in the industry and who maybe need to update their skills a little bit or um, who are finding that they can't really advance within their current jobs because they don't have a college degree. So we provide um, high-quality education and training really geared at those who are working in some of the operator and technician roles. And are you guys um, online too? Yeah, that's the neatest thing about some of our programs is that we're actually able to do this technical training online, um, which is kind of a neat concept, but we've been doing it for more than a decade, delivering high-quality education through the online platform. We use animations, we use simulations, um, we take pieces of equipment, and we draw and animate what they do on the inside. So a person can actually um, see the process that's going on inside a piece of equipment so that they understand 
what is happening um, when they're actually operating that equipment. So the online classes are really great for those um, who are working full-time, maybe are supporting a family or have other commitments, um, or just physically live away from where our campus is located in Bismarck, North Dakota, um, but they still want to be able to access the great resources that we have, we can deliver it online. Well, and that's the thing I was thinking of right away, of course. The, the online education has really seemed to take off pretty organically in the oil and gas industry, of course, that industry has a its, its own, you know, idiosyncrasies and and patterns and and culture, if you will. And so it makes sense to me that these guys who you know work the wells and are used to this type of um, timeliness and geographical issues and that sort of thing that the online education would really gravitate towards the energy center. And you're seeing that. Um, I'm sorry, with the energy industry, you're seeing that there at the energy center. Right. A lot of people um, might be working in the industry. They're working shift work or they're working unpredictable schedules. Um, and it's just really, they might originally think, you know, school is out of the question. You know, there's no way you can go back to college and get a degree. But uh, we actually designed the online courses for that person. You know, we made them so that you can log in on a browser anywhere that you are. Um, you don't need any special equipment. All you need is an internet connection. You can log in where you are and access it at, at any point during the day. So if you get off work and it's 4 o'clock in the morning and that's the free time that you have to work on a class, you can do it right then. Um, our instructors are constantly online. They're checking their emails. They're talking with students. Um, they're explaining things, answering questions. Um, and the material is up and available for a student, like I said, to access whenever they have that ability to do so. Um, they're only taking one class at a time, so it's not your traditional 16-week semester where you take one class, you know, a couple hours a week for the whole semester. Um, we condense it so that you're taking just one at a time. Um, the class might be three weeks long. It might be eight weeks long, depending on um, what program it is uh, specifically that a person was in. And, and you just have that one to focus on. So you're not trying to juggle too much going on at once. You're not in getting confused um, between different classes. And then we designed it so that the classes build on each other. So you take one class, you complete that one, and then you use that knowledge in the next course that you take. So it really is a, a building block um, to get a person to that um, final point where they're able to complete their degree. Reetha Mathern with Bismarck State College National Energy Center of Excellence. Uh, let's talk about the different kind of majors that you guys have. Um, being, of course, part of the Bakken, being on the very edge of the Bakken, uh, you have that great backyard to, to, to dive into there. So I imagine you guys have more than just a couple majors, huh? Absolutely. We have 12 different programs that we say are related to the energy industry. They range anywhere from a nine-month certificate program um, all the way up to a four-year bachelor's degree. Um, it's a Bachelor of Applied Science in Energy Management. Several of the courses focus specifically on um, oil and gas. One of them is our process plant technology program, and that works, um, that prepares people to work in refineries or any other facility that processes um, raw ingredients um, that are extracted from um, oil and gas. We also have a petroleum production technology course, and that provides the students with a background to operate and maintain um, all the equipment that's used in oil extraction and services industry. Um, all those classes focus a lot on safe procedures, um, environmental safety and health, um, as well as the technical aspects of that operation. 
So we have those available, and those two programs are entirely online um, with a hands-on component. So if someone was employed in the industry, what we do is we send them a uh, workbook at the very end of the program where they complete 80 hours of a job shadow. Um, they'll work with their supervisor who just checks off that, yep, you've completed this part or you demonstrate competency with this part of the, the curriculum, um, and then they send that back in and that completes their, their program. Um, somebody who's looking to get into the industry can uh, complete that workbook. Um, we'll work to place them at a site where they can complete it. Um, but like you said, we're right next to the Bakken, which means that we have these great resources for not just locations for students, uh, but we also have access to the expertise of those working in the industry there. Um, we have advisory boards who are made up of people who work in the industry um, that actually give us input on our curriculum. So they meet a couple times a year and they'll talk about what students need to know. Um, they'll say, hey, students who are coming out of your program um, maybe are lacking in knowledge in this specific area. And so we'll work that uh, into our curriculum so that um, we're, we're better preparing those students. Um, or they'll say, you know, we want to we see um, this maybe one specific area that is an emerging trend in the industry and, and they think is an up-and-coming thing that students will need to know. So we can work that into the curriculum as well. Well, I think that's pretty neat because over the last, I would say, call it five years, we've done stories on the gravitation towards the trades and gravitation towards the one to two year degrees and the four year degrees are a thing of the past and only unless you're a doctor, an engineer or a specialized person does anything beyond two years and that sort of thing. And it's it's neat to see that you guys are offering pretty much all the above, like, you know, we understand that the world is diverse when it comes to education. There's no blanket of a one-year, two-year, four-year, six-year, whatever. And so you guys, I think you said like nine months to four-year degrees you have? Yeah, we have some certificate programs um, yeah. that are really just focused on the technical education, technical aspects. You can complete that in just two semesters. Um, and then there's there's really a building block, you know. I see a lot of students, especially those who are coming out of high school right now, they are just like so overwhelmed with options. They don't know what they want to do. They really just want to get a job. They don't want to spend four years in a traditional college um, environment and say, hey, you know, there's more options out there. I think. To listen to the full-length interview with Read the Mattern with Bismarck State College or to listen to other Building the Bakken features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Building the Bakken Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All of our social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, 
Visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. All we need is four wheels A full gas tank and a few miles left Where all the lonesome souls go Who wrote the songs of living And now it's our souls Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Speece, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Speece. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Jason Speece is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable Hatch coaching is. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Christy Huber president of the United Way of Cass Clay says about Hatch coaching. Leaders like Eric Hatch are changing the face of what it means to lead an organization or what it means to lead a brand. He's changing that. To find out more about Hatch coaching or to have Eric Hatch speak at your event or company, visit hatchcoaching.com. That's hatchcoaching.com or call 701-212-1572. That's 701-212-1572. Got a great idea for this holiday season. The Crude Life t-shirts are now for shale. Four different designs to choose from. Visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now for shale link. That's thecrudelife.com. Become an energy enthusiast today and start living the crude life. The Crude Life t-shirts now for shale. Well, I was two years old when John Lennon died. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, as we continue our year in review here at Building the Bakken Radio, we talk with Kevin Connors with the Oil and Gas Division with the North Dakota Industrial Commission, talks about the carbon capture regulations and how it opened up a whole new market of technology creating a carbon capture market. My name is Kevin Connors. I'm with the North Dakota Industrial Commission's Oil and Gas Division. Thanks for joining us today, and we're going to talk a little bit about some carbon capturing. Now, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, coal, so I thought I'd uh, give Mr. Connors a call here to find out exactly if it's coal, oil, gas, etc. I kind of skimmed the press release, I'll be honest uh, with you, so maybe if we could just uh, have a little bit of a, a set the table a little bit on what you've been working on and kind of the history behind where we got today. How's that sound for you? Yeah, that sounds great. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, so what I've been working on is is uh, working with the Federal Environmental Protection Agency to get North Dakota the regulatory authority to uh, regulate carbon dioxide storage um, in, in the deep subsurface in the earth. Explain that a little further. I mean, you're talking about storage down in the earth. I mean, I'm thinking of like, you know, um, 
like aquifers, but, you know, carbon furs, if you will. How, how exactly are we storing that uh, carbon down in the earth? Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the program, the regulatory program that we've developed um, is is premised on protecting our underground sources of drinking water. And so there's all sorts of safeguards in place to make sure that um, carbon dioxide is injected um, in a manner that, that does not... Um, contaminate any freshwater resources and actually protects them. And and we're typically looking for an ideal uh, sandstone formation with a uh, rock above and below that will confine the, the carbon dioxide that's injected into the sandstone uh, for the long term and, and make sure that it stays down there uh, safely stored. Now, in the press release, I saw something called Class 6 Well Activities. Um, can you uh, explain that a little bit further? What would be a class six well activity for geological storage of carbon dioxide? Yeah, so um, you know the the Safe Drinking Water Act has an, a, a program called the Underground Injection Control Program, and that program um, is consists of six well classes um, for the purposes of injecting uh, different fluids into the earth um, to in order to, uh, to get rid of those fluids or um, to, in some cases, to enhance oil recovery in oil and gas uh, fields. And in this case, class six is for the injection of carbon dioxide for the purposes of long-term storage. So the, off the top of my head, you know, like I said, the first thing I thought of was coal right away. I know that you guys have been working, or the state has been working on ERC, especially uh, coal technologies that involve carbon course oil and gas has as well is is this basically creating a carbon market a carbon industry if you will in the state of North Dakota talk to me a little bit about what this is going to ripple into um you know that's a, that's a good question you know what what happened uh yesterday with Mr. Pruitt's signature really gave North Dakota um a key piece to, to a, a bigger picture or a bigger, bigger puzzle. Um, you know, now we have the regulatory authority. Uh, we give um, industry, the, the, the coal, the lignite coal industry, the oil and gas industry, and even the ethanol production industry, the regulatory certainty it needs to develop um, carbon capture and storage projects. And so um, really that's, that's what we're looking at in terms of, of you know, North Dakota is really positioned uh, to be a leader in carbon capture and storage, not just with the regulations that are in place, um, but also with, with you know, what we have in terms of our geology, um, our lignite coal supply, um, that proximity to oil and gas fields, um, and, also, and also our ethanol production, which, you know, in addition to coal, you know, the ethanol um, companies are also looking at uh, carbon capture and storage as well. Well, and that's where I was going with this is that uh... – you know, in the in the oil and gas world, you go to a different shale play and you have to use different technology. And it's kind of like the same technology, but it's different, you know, and a lot like coal. There's a lot of baseline technology that's the same, but you start getting other regions, especially in North Dakota. It's it's a different, you know, end game. It's a different, you know, the, after you get past the 50, it's a whole different game. And is that what I'm kind of hearing here? Because, I mean, at the you know, at the end of the day, carbon is carbon, but... The way to get carbon from ethanol, I would imagine, would be different than the way you get carbon from, say, the oil and gas wells and, say, the carbon. So 
is there a universal technology that's going to fix this or, or I mean that's going to use this or does each industry going to kind of represent its own little tweaking of technology and its own little chemistry set? I'm not sure if I made any sense with that question, but are, are you following me at all with that? Yeah, you know, I'm not an expert on the capture side of things. Um, I'm more fall under where, you know, where we're going to where we're going to put that carbon dioxide um, in terms of underground injection. Um, but certainly, I know, you know, the, the ethanol production, you know, there's a pure stream of CO2 that comes off of that, and, and it's, it's fairly, um, uh, it's less complex, I believe, to capture that CO2 than it would be for more like a coal-fired uh, facility to capture that CO2, um, and there's, there's a little more complexity there that, that comes along with that. But, you know, with this regulatory program in place, uh, the reason I keep bringing up regulatory certainty is, 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 you know, that's a key component to de- continuing to develop and advance these new technologies um, to, to hopefully get to a point where we're looking at uh, commercial-scale, large-scale projects. Yeah, and I, and I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit here because that was one of the big issues, as you know, for a long time was that certainty that, um, w- let's be honest, there was a lot of science projects happening in North Dakota, and they were funded without certainty. Now, with, I mean, they were funded with uncertainty. So now with a level of certainty, you know, common sense would say that there's going to probably be more science projects or more definitive science that's going to kind of come out of the next, say, five years. Does that, I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm picturing in my head anyway. Well, you know, the, the timing's great. And, and although we waited, you know, almost five years to receive this approval from the EPA, um, the, the timing couldn't, couldn't be much better in terms of um, where the, the carbon capture and storage um, projects and industry are moving towards is really going from that, um, demonstration type projects and more looking at really developing commercial size, um, large scale injection and storage projects. And so, you know, we're, we really are positioned and, and, you know, the regulatory program uh, that we have developed um, in conjunction with meeting the, the EPA requirements is, is the first in the nation, the first of its kind. And uh, it's, it's really exciting for, for all North Dakota, really. Um, to put us in a position to be a leader in, in, in this this type of uh, industry. So what put us over the top? Um, you know, as you got in the final stages, you know, was there any certain regulatory paragraph that put us over the top or any sort of company that stepped up and said, we're going to invest to the technology? Anything at all that uh, they mentioned that we really, uh, or that North Dakota really made sure their I's and T's were crossed? You know, it was really our congressional delegation. So Senator Hovind and Senator Heitkamp and Congressman Kramer really um, uh, worked hard from their end in Washington D.C. to get this to get this approval pushed forward. Um, and that's ultimately what it what it came down to. I mean, uh, we you know we worked through the application process with EPA back in 2011, submitted the application in 2013, um, and made some traction. Um, in 2014, but then it, it really just um, got delayed, and and the, the former EPA um, administration just didn't approve the application. So um, it, it became a, a somewhat of a political uh, push to make sure that we got we got this privacy. 
To listen to the full-length interview with Kevin Connors with the Oil and Gas Division of North Dakota Industrial Commission, or to listen to other Building the Bakken features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Building the Bakken Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All of our social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies. This is Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. You know that I've lived, yeah, you know that I've tried. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Got a great idea for this holiday season. The Crude Life t-shirts are now for shale. Four different designs to choose from. Visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now for shale link. That's thecrudelife.com. Become an energy enthusiast today and start living the crude life. The Crude Life t-shirts now for shale. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio Heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies and I'm your host today. Up next, David Allen with Elite Energy Services as we continue our year in review here at Building the Bakken. David Allen with Elite Energy Service goes into detail a little bit about their product, an electronic heater that is a treater scanner that assists oil producers in the prevention of saltwater disposal spills on production locations. This is David Allen, Elite Energy Services, with our year in review here at Building the Bakken. What is a fire tube? A fire tube, when, a, when the oil comes out of the ground, it has to start going through a, you know, I like to call it a refining process. The refining process starts the minute that oil has to, the minute that oil comes out of the ground. And so when it comes out of the ground, out of the, the pumping unit or the well itself or out of the hole, it goes into what's called a heater treater. And a heater treater is a tall vessel that has different chambers inside of it. And the different chambers help break that oil down into water and gas and oil. So here in the Bakken, for example, they need to get a lot of that extra gas out of the oil 
so that they can ship it on trains and, and make it safer. Uh, and there's a lot, some wells produce a lot of uh, salt water. And the salt water, or the brine water, they call it, is extremely uh, caustic. If you get that spilled onto the ground, it can, sense, in a sense, basically sterilize the soil. And they they can be a mess to clean up. I mean, we see in the news all the time about saltwater pipelines leaking, and you know the governor has the big zero tolerance for saltwater spills, and that's why is because that saltwater is in a sense concentrated saltwater. Like if you think of the ocean being salty, some of this stuff around here can be five, ten, fifteen times more concentrated than that. And so to get a leak or a spill in anything can be pretty pretty devastating and inside this treater is where all of that process takes place and in order for that process to begin the oil has to be heated and the way that they heat it is if you think of a fire tube as a very large u-shaped pipe that goes inside of that treater or inside that tall vessel that's where a flame, a big open flame goes. It's like a, I kind of tell people it's like a blowtorch. and <laughs> just heats this pipe. And then the pipe in turn heats the oil, which helps break it down into water, salt, and gas. One of the big problems with that is that pipe is basically immersed or basically covered in salt water. So if you can just think of what rust does you know, if you leave a piece of metal outside and it rains and it goes through that process, starts to rust, just just think of it being about 20 or 30 times worse inside of that treater. So this pipe, which usually is about a quarter inch thick, just, you know, gets corroded so much that it gets a hole in it. And the minute it gets a hole in it, now all that content that's inside that treater can leak out onto the ground. So you can have a saltwater spill, you can have an oil leak, and when this oil leaks or sprays, it sprays directly onto that open flame, and then boom, then you have a heater treater fire. So so if you think about it, it you basically got you know, a flame that's just within fractions of raw crude oil. And so that can be pretty devastating. And you do that, you see a lot of a lot of heater treater fires. So the fire tube itself plays a very, very key role in that. And and like I said before, it's it's plagued the industry for years and years and years because when a hole gets into that fire tube, you never know it until again you have a leak or a fire. And so that's why we zeroed right in on that was if we can develop a way to decide or determine how bad that corrosion is, you know, basically on the, on the outside of that pipe, because you can't see it. If you think about it, you're doing, you basically have a, you're looking down a pipe, and you can't tell how much corrosion on the other side of that pipe. Well, this system tells us that, like an x-ray looks through your body and says you have a broken bone. This does something similar, so we can see through that pipe, basically, and determine how much corrosion is there which gives the producers a way to be proactive instead of reactive. So. You know, I wrote down um, environmental and remediation. Of course, uh, you mentioned the word spills and salt water, and 
those are two things that come right to my mind. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the environmental side. And I, I don't know if there's any cost savings with remediation. I'm just assuming there is. So if there is, expand on that too. Yeah, so so when you think about it, I mean, most, in fact, almost all treaters have a, have a containment berm around them. The berms are either dirt or they can be, you know, kind of a lined uh, berm. But when you think about a leak, uh, sometimes these leaks are pinholes. And so you don't get an awfully lot on the ground. And sometimes they're quite a bit larger. So you get, for example, a, a, a leak inside of a, an earth berm, dirt berm. Well, over time, if, that, if you figure the life cycle of a location is uh, 30 years, and in the past you can get two years out of these fire tubes, you've got you know, 15 different leaks over a significant period of time that this salt water is just collecting. And see, salt water doesn't, doesn't dissolve, it doesn't break up, it just, you know, basically sits there. To listen to the full-length interview with David Allen with Elite Energy Services or to listen to other Building the Bakken features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies. This is Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. And that concludes another awesome episode of Building the Bakken Radio. And I would like to personally thank each and every one of you who listened and tuned in our program this week. There are so many options out there for content and entertainment today. And we are so grateful that you have chosen Building the Bakken Radio and the Crude Life Media Network for your option today. Again, thank you once again for listening to our program, our non-political, non-polarizing program known as Building the Bakken Radio. Now, was there an interview that you wanted to check out? Well, you can access past shows, features, and full-length interviews at thecrudelife.com. We would also like to invite you to be a part of our social media network. Join our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts. We have quite a presence in many of the shale plays, like the Permian, Eagleford, Marcellus, Niobrara, and many, many more. It's all part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out. If you go to crudelife.com, click on our social media tabs, we've got a list of our social media sites, over 350,000 followers. We're strong. We're growing every day when we invite you to be a part of our social media network here at the Crude Life Media Network. Now, when you're at the Crude Life Dot com, be sure to click on our sponsors page. These sponsors make this program happen. Now, we've got some outstanding sponsors here at the Crude Life Media Network, and we ask you to please support them when you can. You know what? Heck, just reach out and say hello sometime. That's nothing like a nice hello. Click on the sponsors page. Check them out, crudelife.com. Thank you once again for listening to Building the Bakken Radio this week. We will be back next week right here on this radio station at this time once again. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Thank you once again for joining us this week, and remember, keep calm and frack on. You've been wishing you never been born. All I can say is that- Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 
Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. Meridian Energy Group, Inc. Got a great idea for this holiday season. The Crude Life t-shirts are now for shale. Four different designs to choose from. Visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now for shale link. That's the crudelife.com. Become an energy enthusiast today and start living the crude life. The crude life t-shirts now for shale.